Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. Uh, you got myself, Andrew Whitelaw, Matt Dugleish, and we've got a special guest all the way from the uh, the other side of the continent. We've got May Connolly from West Australia, or Hello. West or Westralia. The good good thing about it is May is is you've known me for at least ten years now, and you still pick up the phone. Some <laughs> some sometimes some sometimes it goes straight to answer phone, which I feel suspect, but anyway, but but. <laughs> We, thanks for thanks for coming along to have a chat to Matt and I. We thought it would be good to get a uh, a Western Australian outlook because you know we can tend to get a bit East Coast centric and uh, good to get somebody from the West before you start to succeed. So yeah, ha first of all, what's what's happening in the on the West Coast? What's what's the uh, conditions like? Uh, it is all uh, all happy days over here. So, uh, been an absolutely magnificent start to the season. Um, really, really widespread, perfect early wet start to the season, um, and fantastic prices. So, um, yeah, no life uh, life in grain world could not be any better uh, in WA at the moment. It's absolutely perfect in all regards. Is is there some bits though that are struggling with? I know it's a, one of those things of too much rain. Is is always considered to be not too bad but is there a lot of people struggling to actually get the crop in now yeah so and wa kind of over the last uh, decade in particular um there's been some kind of really south and westerly areas that have been traditionally sheep before that that yeah. have moved into cropping and you know in the kind of dry decade or so that we've had uh, it's you know been dry through the traditional wheat belt and perfect in those um, in those areas um, this year moving back to being nice and wet in the wheat belt you're right has meant that it is really really wet yeah, particularly in the in the southwest so um, those guys tend to have a really long season though like it's uh, absolutely not unheard of for them to be harvesting into January so um, yeah as long as it dries out at some point and it's not you know too much waterlogging well, damage over the well, whole year it'll be okay. Well, well it's probably not like it's different from Victoria really. Because probably on a parallel with Western Districts to an extent anyway. So it's Western Districts can be going in February, March, well, January, February. And Tassie is probably still harvesting just now as we speak from the 2020, well, 2015 harvest probably. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, things, things are looking good. What was season like last year was a bit of an odd one, really, because everyone thought it was going to be, you know, terrible. And then it turned out to be quite good. Is that just, you know sheer luck or what what happened uh probably a bit of luck so water use efficiency ratings just went um you know literally off the chart so uh didn't rain uh crap year but uh the that you know that they somehow managed to i guess just jagged rain at the right amount of time um to to get the yield so yeah it was uh uh for, for the season that we had it was an incredible incredibly successful crop last year mm, so uh going into this year with a fantastic start unlike last year um yeah uh hope hopefully uh and so, well, there's, so, there's so, a so bigger probably. area gone in so you would think uh chances are it's going to be a pretty pretty big crop out of wa hopefully yeah, probably be dry for the next six months uh we've got to get through frost as well so yeah no that, as exciting as it is at the moment it's by, by no means home and hosed mm. um, so so going back to back to last year this this time last year you know, this is uh, today, May, I don't know if you're aware, is the, the one year anniversary. We're now one fifth of the way through our uh, barley tariff of China. We've only got four more years left of it. What was, what was the reaction from growers at that time, this time last year? What, what did yeah. they think to the 
because you, mm. you you talk you talk to a lot of growers all over the spot so what was it what was it like and barley was one of the first ones that was hit. So kind of since then, it's been wine and, and a whole lot of other things that have been hit. But, um, yeah, barley was kind of one of the earliest shots that that China um, China sent off. So, uh, yeah, it was a big shock that they'd actually done it at the time. And just, you know, because it was a lot of the barley was already in the ground, there wasn't the time um, to change, change seeding plans and leave barley out. Um, so, yeah, so it was just... Yeah, a uh, real, real shock and um, and worry about what the what the barley prices would be. But um, yeah, just just like the the yield last year, um, the the prices turned out okay. So uh, hope hopefully we'll get through the next four years as well. Because because it is it is interesting because like that was like that was the concern because prices did collapse overnight almost. They they sort of we had that big shock where look, I I personally didn't think it was all that surprising because of you know. I thought they were going to do it because of that phase one deal. And and I think we presented in early January in a in a previous life, in a in a in a previous role. Um, but I think it was probably a shock to a lot of trade, hence why the market just collapsed overnight. And I, th- I like I think we've been lucky that China's demand was there because I think if if we had the same supply and demand situation as say we had in 2017, 2016 or really up until this year, we didn't have this big rise in, in demand and a few supply issues here and there. Our prices would have been you know, $50 lower quite easily, back to 2016 levels. So I guess we have dodged a bullet to an extent um, for this first year, which is probably would have been the hardest year to be struggling with low prices and, and, and getting into new markets. But I think it's probably allowed us to diversify a bit. You know, a bit more going into Thailand, a bit more going into well, a tiny shekel of grain going into Mexico and and Saudi Arabia as the as the big hitter. But has that has that changed their intentions this year? On like like de- like barley prices are decile five to decile six on average around about the country, which is still good and it still yields pretty well for for a lot of country barley's. You know, yields well, but from a point of view of um, of planting for this year has it changed any of that or is it no no so so i guess that the only barley that's been left out has been for canola this year um and yeah that you know that's in even if we didn't have the chinese issue with barley those those acres would still be moving to canola uh, because of the because of the canola prices um so and i guess the the thing with barley is it just it yields so well like um out yields wheat um in the in the in a lot of areas in the southern half of the state um and in a lot of the frosty areas um through through the wheat belt and and great southern lakes um barley's the one that you can rely on it doesn't get absolutely decimated by frost like wheat does so um yeah so there's there's a whole lot of reasons that they that they keep barley in the rotation so yeah so it's it's down a bit this year but that's because of the canola price not, not nothing to do with uh, with china so i know may we may we saw a lot of um just switching across quickly to livestock and i know you're mostly grains focused but um last season we did see with australia that the i guess in the in the in the livestock area in the southwest there particularly it was quite dry and we did see with the with what was happening to price in the west and the you know, issues you've had with live x over the last few years we've seen your prices lower than the east and then the rebuild in the east saw about 1.9 million head of sheep come across from 
west to east. Is, is that rain been widespread enough, or, the, or the, what you've seen recently now? Is that giving um, you know in those kind of sheep production areas? Are they are they getting enough of the rain now to to maybe see a bit of a stem of, of livestock going across from west to east now? Yeah, so it's, prob it's probably the rain came a bit too late. So there was there was further destocking over summer, um, and you know even in some traditional high rainfall areas, just just ran it ran out of water. Um, so there was more a lot more destocking over summer. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 rain recently has for for the first time in you know maybe three four five years, and a lot of those areas has now filled up dams, um, and you know it's still quite warm. So the the um, part pastures are getting away as well. So um, yes. Yeah, so so it's, it's absolutely turned around now, but um, you know there, there would still be a lot less uh, a lot less livestock now versus um, uh, you know a, a year ago. Mm. So so Matt, will they have to go through obviously a, a growth phase now and try and hold back from sending to slaughter and to sale to mm. build up the numbers again? Yeah, that's right. Did we ever see sheep going from east to west? Because I, I, I know, like over over my vast experience of the eleven years that I've been in Australia now, there's uh, I've heard stories of, of of sheep going west to east, but I don't think I ever remember a story, a headline about east to west movements. No, I mean generally, generally the if you look at the longer term trend, the eastern markets tend to run at a premium. It's not that the west sometimes um, will will run at a, at a premium. Um, but most of the time it's at a discount, generally speaking, and, and yeah, a lot of the time the, the movement is tending to be west to east, um, most of the traffic anyway. There's not much that goes the other way. So, so you mentioned my favourite topic at the moment is, uh, is canola. And look, I, I, I've always been of the belief that you don't switch to a different commodity based on price because there's no relationship between the price at seeding and the price at harvest potentially, especially wheat, especially with barley. I guess at the moment that, that canola price is bloody attractive, but there's probably a bit more there in terms of the fundamental reasons for canola to be high or strong. It's not just a case of it's high now and it, it could collapse. What, what's, the, what's the advice to growers at the moment? That, that obviously, I uh, don't want to give away too much because Fermanco is a, a fee-paying service, but what, what's the kind of general general advice you guys are giving out at the moment on canola? Yeah, I agree completely. So um, you can't you can't change a change a rotation and grow another crop because that price is good unless you actually sell that crop. So I guess the the magic of the situation in WA has been such a good wet early start. Um, people have been able to if they've increased canola area, they've actually been able to go and sell a proportion of of that crop. So so that's the main thing we've been focusing on. Just as as you're increasing area, as everyone seems to be finding an, at least another paddock or two of yellow flowers hours this year um, if you're increasing the area just keep keep selling that as it as it becomes safe because yeah agree agree completely on that uh, on that price risk because mm. canola canola is like a really finicky sort of a crop yeah and and we've seen it fall that's a polite before. way of saying it well i've been told not to swear as much on the podcast but the so canola is quite finicky you know frost risk drought risk whatever else but what what is the percentage that, that a grower would likely in the West be willing to forward sell at this point? Because in, in an average year, it would be bugger all. 
Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Like, uh, you know, this, and again, it's just this this magic time where we've had such a good early start and we've got these prices. Like there hasn't been a, a, a widespread start like this in WA for a very, very long time. So either it was go on, go on, set me <laughs> since Federation. <laughs> Federation to su- su- succession. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so you're, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, if this was a normal average start to the year, people wouldn't be able to safely sell canola. Um, but, yeah, this, this magic start has let them. So I'm definitely not an agronomist, but uh, agronomy specialists tell me that half the battle with canola is getting it in and up and germinated well um, and just look, looking at the crops um, that have germinated just, you know, usually canola's horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, in, beautiful, smooth paddocks, just, yeah, absolute, um, yeah, fantastic germination everywhere. So people have had the confidence to um, to, to go and, um, and forward sell. And, yeah, obviously... Um, you can't can't go and can't go and sell a hundred percent, but you know, pe- um, yeah, people are probably you know somewhere around that twenty five percent mark. Whereas you know, usually canola, you know, you'd maybe do five to ten percent, but by May at at at, at the absolute most. So yeah, because because you'd normally be lucky to get twenty five percent sold in like September. Yeah, I, and I, and, it would, yeah. and it would just be a case of whatever it harvest and sell sell it as soon as it comes off the header and straight into the the silo. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, pr- price, pricing opportunities have just been so good. You've got to take a, a little bit of a risk. Like, you know, if you're if you're growing more canola and you're not pricing at these levels when you when you safely could be, then, yeah, you know, that's that that's that's a risk in itself. People, um, people, like people, I, I guess the thing is, as well, at the moment is like it's locking in a little bit is 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 a good good opportunity to, to lock away that price risk. However, I think it's even even if the market was to fall. Like what? What? What are we pricing just now in in Quinana, for instance? But three, about eight, about eight, about eight twenty for non-GM and about eight hundred for GM. Which is it's even that even the spreads low, you know, between the two. So you're yeah. talking anything above eight hundred is a good number. But anything above six hundred is a good number. number. <laughs> but but we're but we're unlikely to see, you know, based on like the fundamentals, we're probably unlikely to see a six in front of the number before. March next year before Canada starts to react to this unless like there's some rains in Canada but they're probably the, the stock situation is probably too tight to, to it's going to need time to recoup so so no matter what they do they're still probably going to end up with good gross margins and 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 just to announce that Fomanco as of next week is increasing their their rates by 20 percent Hey, we're not a, we're not a fertilizer or chemical company. Oh dear, dear. Um, Andrew was looking at quite an interesting correlation, I think, between canola prices and a um and a and a winning margin of, of a unnamed um AFL football club, I believe, on on social media. May was that is that relationship continuing to hold, or is that starting to break down the uh, the success of the as the demons and um. And the movement of canola prices recently have been tracking a similar trajectory. Uh, yeah, so the demons are still undefeated as we speak. But, uh, yeah, the, the reason I'm pretty keen to be selling canola at high prices is it's all a bit too good to be true at the moment. Good weather, good prices for canola, just uh, just like the Melbourne Football Club, I think, uh, uh, just just waiting for everything to go horribly wrong. So uh, the, the correlation is holding up so far, though. So... 
so in terms of of of, of Melbourne, you know, what are you guys already calling it a premiership? <laughs> no, I think every 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 genuine Melbourne supporter is actually just expecting us to lose every single game for the rest of the year and miss finals. We are, yeah, not uh, not not uh, not not uh, booking our grand final tickets just yet. <laughs> we, we've uh, we've been starved of success for most of us for our whole lifetime, so uh, it's a bit bit hard to believe that it's all going so well so far. Well, just just to talk about in terms of this is way off topic for 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 grain. So, but continuing on the theme of sport like to say congratulations to, to Glasgow Rangers who, who won the Scottish League on um, after 10 years of, of, of no trophies and, and they won the league on Saturday last last week. We, obviously there was the, the obvious riots afterwards and police presence and whatnot as you do in, in, in Scottish football. But, but they won the league with not losing a single game. So, so maybe Melbourne can can follow in in, in Rangers' footsteps. No, like that would almost be unbearable because if, if we if we made it to the grand final and we were undefeated, oh, that would just be setting us up for spectacular failure. One hundred to zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope we lose a couple along the way. So, in terms of in terms of the, the clientele at the moment, yeah, so everyone everyone's pretty happy. What what's you, you, you obviously talked to a lot of people, but what is happening with the land prices over there? Are we seeing the same sort of gains there as we are on the East Coast? Yeah, so not not my area of expertise, but um, yeah, not every every article you read is just about um, land prices just heading up in uh, in in one direction in in WA and just kind of um, yeah, um, people starting to look quite wide apart you know like having farms 100 or sometimes hundreds of kilometers apart um, just because they're you know just just trying to get their hands on any any land that they can um, just you know the the availability of the neighboring farm uh, isn't isn't happening like it used to suppose if you buy 100 kilometers away and you've got the land you've got the the capital appreciation then if a bit of land comes up near you well you sell that bit that's in the back end and then and then then repurchase yeah, I guess it's just just that theory that uh, yeah, as, as long as the land value keeps going up, um, why, why not? Mm. So, in terms of you, you mentioned fertilizer and whatnot, and did you did you find that there was um, <laughs> there was every single year there's always shortages of fertilizer and we're not going enough get enough fertilizer to uh, to meet all the demands? But did you find that that Everything you obviously you you've got teams of agronomists. Did that come to fruition, or did everyone get the fertilizer that they required? Yeah, no, I think um, yeah, the, the, the food and chem companies have actually been um, really good in WA this year. So with with that cyclone that went through, and you know farmers have lost literally every shed on the farm, including all their fertilizer sheds or whatever. Um, yeah, just the the stories of how the the, the fertilizer and chemical companies are coming to the party and and get keeping that supply flowing. So um, yeah, so now there's there's always talk of shortages and you know if the year continues wet then no no doubt there'll be some chemical that's in short supply later uh, and there was a lot of talk about canola seed shortages but uh, everyone I talked to yeah like I said seems to have been able to find the canola seed um, that, that they that they needed to one one way or the other eventually so not, nothing no no kind of limit to limit to production so far so that, that's cyclone Matt and I have had our own experience of 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 of, of wind troubles in the past, and, and I'm not talking about his Matt's diet, but we we had, we had storms come through a couple of years ago, 
twice. That I reckon they were tornadoes that came through. And yeah, well, the video, yeah. Fo- the video footage is definitely tornado. And they ripped the roofs off of our sheds, and that was a bloody nightmare. Especially when we'd only owned the place for, what, three weeks? <laughs> a month, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was four days before Christmas. But anyway, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, that's a podcast on resilience for another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but the, the damage was pretty bad from that that storm. Like the the, the, the videos on Twitter and whatnot were, were pretty horrific. What did guys do? Did they did they fix the sheds or did they just because right obviously in the middle of the season they just get into seating and just we'll fix the sheds later on. Yeah, no, that, I, I think you know probably not not a single shed has been fixed. Um, like a lot of guys were without power for literally you know, a month or even more after the cyclone, so no sheds. Um, yeah, yep, um, de- definitely not something you can fix. Uh, I know, like CBH were donating a whole heap of tarps and just just getting everything covered up um, as as you possibly could, and uh, all, the, all the repairs will will start um, after after harvest. But everyone um, has been able to muddle muddle through um with with a lot of help from the industry from from what i've heard mm. on, on the back of COVID, i read a report made it wasn't just i mean the, the the damage it was caused but getting even materials for the you know the, like shed materials or or structural materials is equally as difficult as trying to get the product to go back into it afterwards well, look, so. well, look at our, look at our place matt we've ordered fencing materials mm. and they took nigh on two months to arrive mm. Mm. For, for 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 timber posts Anyway. Yeah, so no, it's going to be a long, a long, uh, very long road to recovery. So hope, hopefully, this the season continues really well, especially, uh, especially in those areas. I think they deserve it after what they've been through. But that, that's good that the Grower Co-op has 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 helped out with giving some tarps and whatnot. So the big news from them was that they uh, was it Jim Wilson, what that's his name. Yeah, he's, the uh, yeah. he's left. What's what's the views on that? There seems to be. I, I didn't know the guy, and I haven't really kept a close eye on CBH, but seemed to be a bit of chalk and cheese opinion about him around. Any idea why that is? Or? Yeah, uh, no, like I didn't know him, but I guess like he was he was brought in to, um, you know, cut, cut a lot of costs and, you know, growers always want CBH to be operating as a low-cost supply chain. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're brought in to cut a lot of costs, that's probably not going to make you popular with a, with a lot of people. So, yeah, potentially kind of that, that kind of cost-cutting couple of years has been done and, and they're now looking for, for someone to take them on to whatever the next uh, step is for, for CBH. Because mm. uh, obviously, Matt, uh... May I spend a lot of time in, in WA, so I've got plenty of time to look around. And as we were saying the other day on that, that chat we had with Nigel Hart, CBH has got fantastic facilities, but probably more than they actually require, other than in record years. Did they have many site closures with, with the cost cutting or any rationalisation? Yeah, so there's this on, ongoing plan where they're basically going to halve the number of sites, so um, especially those kind of small sites closer closer to Perth um, but yeah kind of it, it keep, keep saying that that's going to happen but I, I don't don't know that a whole lot of sites have actually been decommissioned mm, so I, I, I assume that is uh, that is still the plan mm. and Bunbury with uh, with Bungie is that still in operation yeah that, yep that's... so that yeah Yep, it's got a got a couple of upcountry sites and the Bunbury Port, and um, as we we're talking about earlier, kind of where where um, um, there's been a big switch from livestock into cropping in that southwest area. Um, that Bunbury is their closest port through there, so yeah, they're they're still providing a bit of 
um, you know, yeah, pretty good competition in that in that southwest area. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because obviously, you know, in 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 the west coast there is no competition really for stores of handling other than the new Bunbury sites, and and it's, it's a similar situation forming in the EP where there's new part new ports being uh, established. Have, have you found that? I know that I know in the initial stage. I just I left WA just before it opened, uh, but in those initial stages, I knew I remember there was some pretty strong bids from from Bungie, you know, and pretty strong price. Did that continue, or? Yeah, no, I think the the strong competition has um, has continued. So um, I guess you know Bungie's whole model is they need they need to have good prices to attract the tons into their their sites rather than um, have those tons go into CBH sites. So yeah, they just they're kind of forced. They have to have good enough prices to um, to attract the tons. So um, last but like that that kind of Elgin Port Zone and Southern Kornada Port Zone, uh, even if you don't deliver to Bung to Bungie yourself, um, uh, have, having them there as 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 competition has proved uh, really positive mm. and uh bunbury's obviously got to beat the uh what is it the two dollar loyalty bonus straight away <laughs> that's all i remember that's one of the big things i remember is talking to growers and say oh you've got to pay me a bit extra because you don't give me a loyalty bonus <laughs> yes yeah, so cbh haven't uh, haven't paid out on their loyalty bonus for for a couple of years they've been a bit more focused on um providing um, sh showing showing those benefits uh, up up front in lower storage and keeping storage and handling fees lower. So um, yeah, always subject to change. But yeah, if that if that loyalty bonus is not as large as it has been in history, then then that that factor might have uh, might have gone out of it a bit. Mm. So May you mentioned you mentioned in, just before in some areas you'd seen a, a distinct move out of livestock and into grains which is something we've seen, I guess, on the Eastern Seaboard for the last 20 years or so, particularly when you look at grain and sheep areas or cropping and sheep areas, that we see this move over time away from, from sheep and part of that's, I guess, moving out of wool sheep. But, but you know, this, this definite move across into, into grains, did you know what's kind of driving that, that is, you know, in the, in the West as well, you're seeing um, any particular reasons as to why um, and I presume it's out of sheep and into grains is, is, is those ones that you're seeing. Um, what's driving that? Yeah, so just um, gross, gross margins in cropping um, have, have been outperforming livestock in a lot of areas um but probably just the the water issue like you know even even in traditionally high rainfall areas have been really really dry a lot of years over the last decade so um yeah even even if you absolutely love your love your livestock having empty dams and having to feed them over a period of years uh, has has worn down even the most dedicated dedicated livestock people over time mm. Oh, it's interesting one. I wondered as well whether whether any of the um, difficulties have been facing, particularly the live sheep side in WA and, and some of the changes to what's happened in the last few years in terms of the moratorium now that's in place through the Northern Hemisphere summer. That's I know that's disrupted the supply chain quite a bit um, and whether that's you know, part of the reasoning too that, that um, some traditional you know, livestock people have just said, you know, enough's enough, it's too... It's too kind of erratic, all these changes, and I'm just going to switch to something that I know is going to be stable. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's just that it's just that fear. Um, you know, gov- governments over the years have shown they can just shut down the live export industry at the drop of a hat um, and not not have any help or care for for the industry that's been affected. And WA just being so reliant on live export, that's yeah, that's that's definitely a, a big part of it. Whereas yeah, you know, so, something like grains, it's gonna, you know, <laughs> people 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 just. Just that whole supply chain is is a lot easier and less uh, less risky. Mm. Mm. I think Andrew's just um, got his mic that plays uh, up sometimes. There you hello. go. Hello. Uh, yeah, I reckon we've covered off and everything so far. Unless there's anything me, you've got any pearls or wisdoms for for the farmers out there? What they should be doing? What they should be thinking about? No, but I think yeah, you know, WA think things aren't uh, aren't this good. <laughs> Very often, good good rain, good prices, and the Melbourne Football Club winning. So yeah, take t- take advantage of it while while the opportunity's there. I reckon in- enjoy it while you can. Mm. Don't take it for granted. Use it use it to plan. Don't don't use it for new land cruisers. Yep. <laughs> so you can't get them anyway. They're, they're too hard to get. <laughs> I think the second-hand land cruisers are getting, um, you know, kind of a, a markup in price because you can't get new ones anymore. So Matt, seems... Matt as as you're a seasoned, a seasoned commodity economist, and 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 a and a, and a looker of markets, a watcher of markets, mm-hmm. you you know that you can get anything you want, as long as you're willing to pay the right price. So you can't mm-hmm. get a land cruiser; you just got to pay the same more for a second-hand one than a brand new one was six months ago. Uh, speaking of which, if anyone wants to buy a 2018 Hilux, uh, then I'm more than happy to sell it. Uh, it might have cost me 40 grand in 2018, but I'm more than happy to take 60. Uh, thanks, mate, thanks for coming along. Uh, if you're on on Twitter, you probably follow me already. Um, if you don't follow me, follow her. It's Grains May, or is it May Grains? Grains May, isn't it? Yep. Uh, and yeah, thanks for coming along and uh, we'll catch up soon again. Um, no worries. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, blah, 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 share it around. Uh, if you don't like it, you know, send it to somebody you don't like and put them through the misery. Leave a review, etc., etc. all the usual stuff. And, uh, and thanks very much. See you when you've got nothing on. Ciao for now.